Offer this morning some thoughts and reflections on development of insight, liberating wisdom. So, you know, we've been developing it as best we can all along, I'm sure, reflecting on our impulses and attitudes, what's useful, what's skillful, how changeable they are, what are the ones I really want to encourage, what are the ones I can step back from, let go of. That pass, you know, that discernment, this is wisdom. And developing your way of discerning, not just from opinions and views about what you should or shouldn't be, but from feeling it, feeling the effects of that, you know, that energy, that emotion, that attitude, that impulse, that perception, that judgment, you know. It's really getting a feel for one's opinion about what I need or what's right or who I am or what I should be or what I can't be or what other people should be. The feeling for it, feel it out. This is the most uh, immediate uh, sense of, of, of wisdom. Yeah. Because we can always add kinds of thoughts of favor and disfavor, you know, our moods and emotions, I shouldn't feel this way. No, it's not that you shouldn't feel this way. You are feeling this way, you know, how does that feel? Can you be with that and see what that does? And then, you know, yeah, I feel this way. Mm. Fed up, irritated, you know, moody, grumpy. Mm. Feels like this. Just you know, start to kind of squabble with that, fight with that, then the tangle begins. Can I also acknowledge this is something I don't really want to act upon? It's sort of wide and soft and feeling, stand, sitting in my body or standing in my body, feeling that sense of the the here-ness of the body, letting that mood, that feeling express itself, move on. This is a kind of softening, opening practice. Still, you you know you you're just contemplating the movement of what gets you, and it's uh, you're trying to shift your discernment that from the judgment of the mind to the feeling of the heart. So that, you know, so you get a little more clear feeling for it. Then, as you integrate that, that helps you so you can't don't always have the time to do that do you but as you begun to understand the kind of creature you're living with under your skin you know yeah this is the this is the tendencies this is the mood swing this is the convictions this is the passion this is the fear so then you can really start to establish values you know, things that you can carry as, as concepts. You know, and being prepared to always check them out. I tend towards the 
dismissive side of things. Oh, I don't bother, shrug it off. My response to my feelings is, oh, well, shrug it off. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> you know, so you want to just pause on that one. Mm. You know, check that one. Yeah. But, you know, so something subtler can be learnt in the why I have these twitches of dismissiveness or reactivity towards what's being felt. Mm. Diverting attention from an uncomfortable feeling. Spinning out into a thought when things get a bit uncomfortable in some way or another. You know, uh, feel restless, so start find something to do. So bearing with the, the felt sense, the movement of these... Uh, these are not really Vedana, these are Sanya Sankara, perceptions and, and volitional tendencies. Mm. They have a feeling tone to them, but we call them, roughly speaking, in English, the feeling in that sort of emot- emotive sense, emotional sense, mind states, Sanya Sankara. They're to do with impressions, feeling needed, pressure of being useful, un- not useful, comfortable, uncomfortable, then the volition that comes up with that, the push away from it, to get out of it, to sort it, to can it, to stuff it, to shove it away, to pick it up and run with it. And it's it's pausing. Mm. So we're dealing with a lot of this inner kind of organization of our citta, of our sense of self, how our self operates, our apparent self, experiential meanness, So this is where you know, wisdom is very uh, appropriate to allow things to reorganize through wisdom, not through judgment. So wisdom, why we're calming or inclining towards calm and coolness and dispassion, so you can let the thing unfold in a more graduated, calmer atmosphere in your in your heart mind. You know, how is that now? Link developing sati mindfulness, so you can stay with it longer. The fullness of that, listening in, um, developing the sampajanya, clear, full apprehension, dhammavijaya, exploring it. What's really in all this? How am I with this? The reactivity to it, the can't be bothered, or the, well, this is great, I could have more of this. So contemplating these structures, these organizing experiences that we call ourself. On top of that, you have the personality. Personality is the, the bit that does, is the skin of the mind, the skin of the of the self, which deals with what we're going to present to the world around us. Yeah. So, something that we develop naturally as from childhood upwards. A child is pretty much just the self, you know, just kind of this squirming blob that immediately expresses its pleasure or displeasure <laughs> any time of day or night. <laughs> It lets its needs be known. 
And then you gradually develop this skin, which tries to sort of, you know, sort of filter that bit, make it more presentable. (laughs) This is the personality, everyone has one. And not only do you get that skin to make what's inside present, then you put the cosmetics on it to make it a nice personality. (laughs) Do the eyebrows, the lipstick, or whatever it is to kind of tone it up a bit. Because this is, this is also your, your shop window, isn't it? Saying this is what's inside. You know, I'm a happy person. I'm a, this, so trying to tell other people this is what's inside on this wriggling mass of greed, hatred and delusion. <laughs> and hopefully somebody out there is idiot, fool enough to buy it. <laughs> So naturally, the, the personality is, is that, and maybe you know, when we're sort of in our teens and so forth, then it is that kind of rather naive sense. You're trying to get an interesting personality. You'll be fitting with the rest of the group. You'll be hip, or whatever, until you've been through enough to realise that that's that's not authentic enough, and you start to, you know, try to find the personality gets a bit more supple and flexible, not so shiny. And uh, you know, brash. You know, well, actually, so you realise also we begin to recognise also other people do appreciate authenticity and you know actually being honest and actually the deepening. So it's not just the surface personality can express the uh, increasing deepening. So it's just that's what you know. You can't get rid of a personality, nor should one. But you always you know, recognizes the skin and can it adjust to what's happening in the core and can it, you know, sort of integrate that into how we are with other people? How can I kind of express my sense of disappointment in a way that other people can hear without getting, you know, kicked around by it? So we're trying to integrate that. So the personality then becomes responsible form for how what's happening here respecting things are happening out there for you how how is it going to meet you know for this in the sense of just you know what's called detachment mm. it's the first uh, development of insight wisdom is detachment which is not you know immediately you know in taking what's happening on our self level to be a, a personal statement. You know, this has nothing to do with me as a personality. Uh, it's just this is the feeling of anger or grief or fear or something, things that were normally socially unacceptable to manifest in any strong ways, and yet we may very well be experiencing that. So that, okay, well, just let your personality just step back from that. Mm-hmm. or make it an issue yeah of course we can cope with our stuff that's not the topic right now the topic now is can I step back from the personality and contemplate what's happening just as it is this is viveka disengaging or non-identification non-personalizing it 
So why on retreat we tend to have very little personal interaction. It's kind of conversational exchanges. But we're still having self-interaction, which means we move around, we share space together, we try to cooperate, we're aware of other people with whatever they're carrying, we do the dishes, we sweep the hall, we gather, we respect each other on a self-level, yeah? And personality doesn't, isn't really the topic now. So it's a very helpful part of a retreat, because then you begin to sense that, you know, personality doesn't matter at this particular time. But self does matter, you know, in the sense of we are still not just me, 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 my problems, my sorrows, my joys, but actually this has got to fit within something that can be shared. And then you begin to sense very helpful rather than the judgment that your personality will make or the, or the suppression that your personality will tend to do. You know, it doesn't like it because it's trying to maintain a coherent statement of who I am and this isn't coherent then instead of being held by the person, I to be held by the, the group and the form and the retreat. You know, we sense the uh, spaciousness, the allowing, the calm presence of others. This is the beginning of Kalyanamitta, one of our primary spiritual resources. Just the presence of others and we can sense it, you know, we can feel that other forms moving around, sitting, <coughs> just being there, and you pick it up on an energetic level. If you're running around, you know, it'd be different in the sense of this, just the stillness and the body's walking and the sense of people coming together at these times has got this effect. It's just as the basis of Kalyanamita is just noble companionship, companionship in what can be very testing, and, you know, physically, psychologically, so that, and then we begin to, to get the sense of that, how, you know, if there's five of us trying to climb up a mountain, it's a lot easier than one, without even just that sense of it. So the disengagement from the personality and recognizing the benefit of that, so it's not just you, you should stuff your personality or can it, but Right now, just put that to one side because we're going to let that soften and be a little bit vague and not normal, you know. Just put it to one side, so disengage from that and really trusting, you know, the uh, the presence, the stillness of the group and then the practices, just this sense of being with the body, breathing, the stillness, the simple movements, the fluidity, the sounds, you know, even the chanting, whatever it means, doesn't. There's a secondary thing, which is the fact that we try to resound together. This is an important tonal piece. And all this is helping us to, to reorganize ourselves around simple things of calm, concord, unity, calm, you know, uh, gentle, persistent effort, energy. Mm. And we can pick that up in our hearts. Very important not just to get buried in your own stuff.
Because what personality will tend does is it wants to make something persistent and coherent. This is what I am. It's trying to come up with that sort of statement. It's like some permanent self. You know, I'm, all, I'm always like this. This is who I am. This is my statement. This is the me bit. You know, this is the the, the kind of written all over it. I'm a good guy. I'm a happy person. I'm cheerful woman or whatever, you know. It's trying to make that as a as a constant statement. Now when we begin to recognise how it is, it's not a constant. So the pressure of the personality to try and make us constantly coherent, clear, intelligent, you know, sensitive, wise, discerning, loving and so forth. All that strain of that prevents us from really allowing the process to settle itself. The, the wildness of the heart to settle itself, the blankness of the heart to wake up, the distress of the heart to be met and discharged. So one of the signs, big signs of uh, for insight is this reflection, this way of witnessing the sign of change or impermanence. You must have heard this. <laughs> Not just witnessing it, feeling it and allowing it. <laughs> Feeling it, touching it, allowing it. Allowing the moods to move. Allowing the senses to shift. Allowing the inner sense to shift. Allowing all that to be fluid. Mm. Not to make sense. Not to have answers. Not to be tidy. Mm. The only thing I want to see, it may be tidy, but the main thing I want to see is, is can it be, can we allow it to be changing, to be relative? So one another way of expressing anicca impermanence is uncertain, not sure, not clear, not finished, not tight, not tidied up. And so really putting some energy into, you know, allowing that to be there, allowing that, that, and it's like the inconclusive. Notice how much of our personality is, I want the answer. I want to be tidied up, straightened out, finished, complete, sorted, get out there. This is the way it is. I've got it all now. Constant. Now I know. Um, This is a strong inclination. Tell me what it is I need to know. And maybe what I need to know is, you don't know. (laughs) because we're shifting what we mean by knowing from conceptual certainty to accurate touch are you in touch with it that's what you need to know (laughs) can you be with that that's that's very simple to know that's the information can you be in touch with it yeah that's what you need to know you don't need to know what the answer is. You know, you've got a problem. What's the answer to the problem? You don't need to know that. What you need to know is how to be in touch with the problem, the irresolution. Life is often producing changes, conflicts, and this. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? You know, we haven't got enough of those. 
What do you know about that? Do something quick. <laughs> you know, do something quick. Come up with an answer. And a clang personality comes in, wraps out the orders, you know, change this, sort that, fire this, get one of those, buy this, sack him, and chop, 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 and got it sorted, bang, in the can, out. You know, and this is a kind of brutality that comes up with that. When we you know, can we be with you know, and then you go to the next crisis because <laughs> life is just waves, isn't it? Really, can we be with those? Yes, so that our, our just our sense of wisdom is not really. It's very simple cog- cognitive. It is the wisdom of knowing changes. Now it's ebbing, now it's flowing, now it's going through this change. Just almost like putting your finger on that, feeling it tracing, tracing the skin of the heart. Yeah. And how the heart wants to contract around that and finish it off or spit it out or hold it. Clinging, this is called clinging. How to just let it roll around in your hand without clenching your, your fingers over it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's delightful and you want that lovely furry soft thing in your hand and you want to just grip it and just let it roll around and trickle away. Or that unpleasant thing, you want to spit it out, letting it roll around until it dissolves. Things change, things of the nature, they cannot do anything but that. And so a lot of our you know, reflection and training, commitment to impermanence, to change, is can I bear, can I hold that focus? looking for the changes, witnessing the changes, and just beginning to, within that discerning, this is the unskillful thing that I'm doing, I can stop doing that. This is the beautiful thing I can do, I can do that. So, I remember one, you know, one time we had so so. Sangha is generally in states of conflict. You know, it's it sort of eases into harmony and it goes into minor conflicts, subtle conflicts, conflicts between two people, conflicts within a monastery, conflicts between monasteries, international conflicts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not constantly, but it's just there's that element of. Because this is big people, isn't it? You know, differentiations doesn't mean that's all it is. It's also in harmony, but it's also in conflict. It's also sensing this and the fear of that. Yeah, and recognizing people do get sensitive and affected and cling to principles and stuck on things. And you're just trying to okay, this is this is what it, we're with. Mm. So. You know, just disengaging from the sense of got to hurry up and find a solution. Can I just be with the feeling of that? One of the things that uh, was very rec- recommended, Ajahn Chah would always encourage in monasteries is, you know, if you're having conflict with another another monk, then you, you go and haul water with him because the two of you have to haul the water. You have to carry a Two of you have to carry a pole with a bucket on the pole between them. So somebody you're having difficulties with, so let's go, you know, can I 
it's water hauling time. You come and haul some water with me. You don't have to talk. You just get together, do something together, and then you just let these feelings change because you're actually in the presence of, a, of an act of concord. You're feeling that. This is because we only conflict in certain bits. And then the problem is when you, you make the difficult bit and you want to sort it out and solve it, you cling to the difficult bit and you don't experience that difficult edge within something much larger. This is why, you know, so many of the good ideas to, to come to answers miss the point because it's true to a certain degree but as soon as you only see the problem and you're worrying about the problem, your mind narrows down to problem and it doesn't, doesn't fully open up to the non-problem. You know, which is our sense of, you know, we begin to see each other as human beings, as creatures subject to aging and death, as creatures who want happiness and not unhappiness, of features, features of virtue, we all have these. And you, you, so you widen into that. Mm. And sometimes it's just that sense of widening to the whole space, disengaging from the problem, widening into the whole sense. Mm. So it's just going hauling water together, you just do something together. You know, if you've got a problem with somebody. Then you find, and after a while you find that everybody wants to haul water with you, you think, oh. <laughs> Right, I get it. <laughs> so there's also some <laughs> disengagement, also a sense of, of that the next stage, dispassion, you know, realizing, well, <laughs> get it in perspective. You know, there's some stuff going on in here, you know, and uh, um, but so so helpful when we can't manage it ourselves. The presence of other people who can be with our grumpiness or our moodiness or our you know bristliness. So so helpful. You get a sense of something is seen in a much wider context than one's personality can see it. As we all recognise the you know the fault finding mind is the person personality, isn't it? Finding fault with your ill, you know, unskillful thoughts or your difficult moods or whatever. And it's picking away at them. And it and how ungenerous it can be. Because it's not about being generous. It's about trying to be perfect, trying to get the finished product. And we often recognise that other people are a lot more, can be a lot more generous with our blemishes than we can. You know, so, well, don't worry about it. Everybody's like that. You know, doesn't matter. And that need to widen, to disengage, and then to experience this quality, viraga, dispassion. So viveka is the first sign of changeability, and viraga we begin to get much more accepting about the changes of the heart, the moods of it, dispassionate. We're no longer so flummoxed and so panicky about our mood swings in our inner life.
you're able to see it, allow it, acknowledge it, witness it, and then eventually through that you begin to say, well, not emotionally get so jarred by it all. You get the reactivity. This is me getting a bit angry, it feels like this. You know. So you get some space around it. Viraga. Uh, dispassion. Through a deepening experience of impermanence, changeability. And this is this is where the sense of self you know to go starts to really shift. You know, so when we're able to first of all just get the basic disengagement or viveka, you, diseng- you, you begin to see your personality is just the structure, you know, and not self at all. It doesn't have the truth about what's going on. It's presenting that image to the outside world or whatever, but it's not in touch with the truth of things. So your identification, your your attachment to the personality is less. You let the personality, you don't, leading from the personality, you're leading something more as a core qualities. The personality can express them, but the personality is not the aim. The aim is to be truthful, to be authentic, to find a means to bring forth what's true rather than what you think you should be. So you disengage from the personality is not no longer seen as the centre of your life. This is nanata, uh, not self. Now we may very well feel that our emotional life is really where it's at. Personality is not where it's at, but my emotion, my heart, my emotional centres, my moving stuff, that's really where it's at. That's what I am. And uh, so this cultivation of anicca and insight into all this felt sense with its wonderful uh, experiences, its raptures, its glories, its uh, highs and its moods and its grasping and its loneliness and so on. Can you be with that? Can you stand beside it? Can you be just handling it, witnessing it. This is where, of course, the experiences of samadhi, the rapture experiences and the happiness experiences are things we have to stand beside, not just get involved with. To get involved at this level is is quite, um, I'd say dangerous, but certainly um, it, it really hinders progress. can be dangerous even. It certainly hinders progress. We just get bemused by subtle mind states or, or fascinated with them or, or think we are something because of them. So these qualities of subtle realms or uh, blissful realms or lights and you know immaterial phenomena have to be seen with dispassion. Uh, stepping back. Okay, it's like this. And so... In your meditation, you'll often just feeling that you check, keep checking in with your body, with the, the presence, the here-ness of the body. If it's spinning you out, if you're getting sort of more and more energy rising up, then pushing you, then you need to breathe out, back off, come back into ground, earth, even develop uh, thought, 
rational thought, like this is the feeling, this is the perception, this is the state of consciousness, you know, or this is the body, this is the earth, this is this. So using the thought system as an anchor, you know, using skillful thought to just keep, instead of being in the experience, keeping yourself as being with it, commenting on it. Now commenting on it is admittedly a fairly you know, crude or coarse thing, your verbal commenting, but sometimes that's necessary just to, because of the magnetism and the pull of uh, bright or, you know, other, other apparently otherworldly mind states. And they are difficult because you can get very seriously disoriented through those. The story of Ajahn, Ajahn Mun, a great meditation teacher, and this uh, little girl who became a, a highly attained nun in Thailand. And when she was a little girl, she went to see Ajahn Mun, and I think he gave her a basic Buddha Parikama meditation object, and she immediately dropped into this samadhi states for you know prolonged periods of time. And she would do this. And then he had to leave, and he said, right, now I want you to stop meditating for the next 20 years. (laughs) Until somebody comes along who can really, your mind is so wild, you know, because its it's thirst for those deeper states is so strong that you won't be able to maintain detachment from it. So he told us to quit. Meditating, keep the precepts, keep the faith, stop meditating. Till you've got something that will really help you to stay grounded in those, because you just end up, you know, spinning out into other realms. And so she, she did, she, you know. And then eventually this other teacher, Ajahn Mahabur, came along and was able to, with some considerable uh, bluntness <laughs> and directness, help her to, to disengage from it. So these, these experiences can seriously disorient person and or, you know, in a, in a softer sense, just, you know, um, keep you in this heavenly le- realm. So one of the, uh, the renowned monks, Ajahn Tate, um, he would always go into these blissful states. It took Ajahn Man 12 years to non-stop haranguing <laughs> to get, get him to stay on the ground, you know. <laughs> get grounded, get some dispassion towards it. Yeah. This is this fundamental hunger of the citta. So it occurs obviously in our sense pleasures, in our attachment to sense pleasures, in our attachment to um, order, you know, clarity, systems, structures. And we like that. I like things to be nice and tidy. And I feel comfortable. I like things to be conclusive. I don't want things to be kind of sloppy and loose-ended, like things tidied up. It makes me feel more steady. Yeah. How, but then, really, how tidy is life? <laughs> it's just loose ends, isn't it? <laughs> Trailing across the universe. <laughs> I feel like a loose end. <laughs> Not tidied and sort of given up on being tidied and conclusive. 
Uh, so this attachment to sense pleasure, to systems and structures, and to ditti, like to really constellate around a nice, strong view, ideal, this is right, this is true, Buddhism is the only way, this is the only tradition, this is the only lineage, in fact, there's only one teacher and it's me. <laughs> Let's get this straight, you've got it right down to something I can, you know, it's nice. <laughs> So I think, no, I don't, that, don't like that trajectory where that's going. <laughs> so eventually you're going, well, you know, I, I, I've got some things that work for me. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> other people have got some good ideas and some interesting, Sufis say some interesting things too. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> what works for you? Yeah. So they're trying to get it all, you know, right is another form of this passion of the heart for fixity, for certainty, for something to be stabilized by, to, to find its place in the universe, in the psychological cosmos. Hmm? And you begin to recognize that underneath all that, you know, all that sort of movement of the heart, of its grasping, its sadness because it can't find it, its frustration because it can't find it, it's feeling that if only that wasn't there, I'd be able to find it, spit that one out, reject that, and I'd be able to get there. You know, I'd find it. Hold on to this and I'd find it. And this passion, you see, what you do find is this. <laughs> what you're finding, well, you've got it right. You've got it right. There's things that don't fit, there's things you don't like, there's things that are pleasant, the things are uncomfortable, there's demonic tendencies, there's angelic tendencies. You got it, that's it. <laughs> now as a personality, we're not going to, hopefully, training ourselves not to act upon these kind of demonic tendencies, our bitterness, our dismissiveness, our harshness, our greediness. And you get a little bit frightened. But through contemplating the impermanence of these, actually meeting these forms and forces, and detachment and dispassion towards them, you're not giving any more emotional energy. And you give demons emotional energy by believing in them. And you believe in them by trying to get rid of them. That means you are real, I want to get rid of you. So, you know, that dispassion is, it's a form, it's an energy... I don't, you know, so you're not giving any emotional energy I to approve of it, add narratives to it, get rid of it. And the same with the angels. You know, it could be fair to the angels too. <laughs> because we're looking for liberation here, and that real possibility, the actual possibility of that, through insight, through wisdom, wisdom moving towards dispassion. This is a this is a pleasing space, it's been caused and conditioned, it arises, it passes. Can I be with this? Can I let that process operate? Hmm? The quality of dispassion itself becomes a kind of a it's much more than just a sign, like it becomes more like a felt sense of openness, hearness. Mm. There's dispassion, 
has got its open quality to it. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? There's my opinion, my view, my passion, which binds me together, makes me feel empowered. And there's this space around it. Which do I want? Which is going to... I think I'll go for the space. (laughs) I like the passion. But I think the space is better for me. (laughs) You know, just that. This is wisdom. The openness is better. This is very important news because it's with this that the heart, when it begins to sense there is this space, this space, what I'm calling space, this openness, this dispassion, becomes an aspect of our refuge because that dispassion is something that could be here all the time. You know, the happiness couldn't be here all the time. The feeling bright and positive couldn't be here all the time. But the openness could be. You know, it's work, but it could be. What do you want? Hmm? So you start to, you know, look for your best bet. <laughs> Even though it doesn't feel so convincing and strengthening and, you know, all that. Just hmm. So, because this, this teaching is towards dispassion towards non-being, towards, you know, almost like an increasing sense of uncertainty or could be this, could be that. I don't have a big thing about it. This is the way out of the worlds, heaven worlds, hell realms, the whole lot. Somewhere in there, you know, as you come through, begin to open up some of this the density of these emotional textures of how we clamp around our pains and sorrows and unskillful impulses and so forth, how we tighten up around it, if you begin to loosen up around that. Then it's like something that's quite tightly compounded as it begins to, the fibers, you could say, of the heart start to loosen and open. You're able to kind of get some sense of the core quality. And in this core, there's there's grasping. There's trying to find something, trying to be something. This is where we come to the bhavatanna, vibhavatanna experience. It's trying to form something, trying to expel something, trying to find a place to be trying to be something. And this is the manifestation of uh, ignorance or avijja. So, and this constant movement of the heart is to try to find something, try to expel the discomforts and find the comfort, comfort place for settling being, holding, and dispel the bits that are uncomfortable. And it's through calming, giving yourself enough foothold, enough strength, softening, quieting the mind, so that the reactivity is much more subdued. And then insight, looking into those 
grasping and it, can I be with this? Can I open a little more to this, this passion around this? So this quality of bhava, becoming, wanting to be, wanting to get out, wanting to escape, wanting to not exist, however it manifests. This is the manifestation of avijja, ignorance. Avijja, we talk about ignorance, the word it's really avijja is non-vijja. <laughs> avijja is an uh, interesting word because it's also connected to vidya or vedana feeling. So it's not really just a sense of um, knowledge in the cognitive sense. As I suggested earlier, Buddha's language tends to come from a heart-based culture rather than a brain-based culture. So the language vijja is associated with getting it, being in touch, feeling unobscured, getting the full bit, fully appreciating, fully sensing. And avijja is not getting it right, not being in touch, not fully sensing it, misinterpreting it, mistaking it. It doesn't mean we don't have the information. It means we're not fitting it. It's not quite connecting properly. It's obscured. So with the cultivation of, of deepening insight, contemplating, looking into that tendency to want to have and hold, to get out, to get out of sangsara, to get to Nibbana, to make it all stop, to, you know, and that, those energies and then contemplating those, letting they will come to quietening and ceasing, they stop. Because, because of the openness, because of the dispassion, there's somewhere else to go. And somewhere else to go rather than into the, the movement somewhere else to go, it's called openness, it's also called here. For want of a better, it's just, just a signal, isn't it? Here, openness, here. So there's somewhere else to go rather than the in more of that, into that, or less of that, get out of that. And as we cultivate the openness and the here, then this Avijja becomes more vijja, becomes more touching, becomes more sensitive, becomes more awakened. We awaken to open here. Other forms, when you've got, when that becomes more experiential, the drives to be and to have can cease, quell, cease, stop, check, be checked. There isn't anywhere to go. There isn't any need to go anywhere. It's already here. It's open and it's here. Although it has no manifestation at all. So this is a a cultivation of insight. So finding that ability to, from detachment, being disengaged from the personality and its missions and its apprehensions and its 
needs to get things right, its need for certainty, the finished products, dispassion, cultivating a sense of openness and with almost like a not adding emotional energy to our emotional, emotive heart, mm, not buying into it, and then coming down, coming into the openness, sensing that, with around whatever you're feeling, and then doesn't some of this stuff start to just fade, dissolve, or no longer be manifesting, or you're not really in it anymore, quiets down. And I would say it's more like that kind of withdrawal rather than an elimination. By withdrawing from those, we're not, you know, cutting it, not destroying them. Because we do have to come back into being a person. So you don't want to eliminate that, but you're loosening it, softening it, letting it dissolve so that it can come back in a healthier way without this neurotic clamoring and and fever in it. So we, we move through those processes, letting things stop. They need to be something, letting that take a break, just being open and here. So this avijja, not getting it, starts to get it. We get what's open and here, and there's clarity. Final stages of insight are is expressed as relinquishment or complete letting go, uh, which is the the very view, the very idea, the very notion of being something or being nothing. You know, it just doesn't have to operate anymore. With this, we are able to become truly present with what's what's happening. Because we're not having to come back to being some kind of person, not operating through that system anymore. We operate more directly through panya, through discernment. This sounds kind of abstract, but what I've noticed certainly in in, uh, the uh, deeply practiced people that I've been able to have the opportunities to, to be with, noticing how the personalities can change. There's a personality there, but they manifest all kinds of things. Um, but what they constantly manifest is discernment, clarity. They're obviously grounded in themselves. They're comfortable. They're not phased. And the personality can sometimes be very humorous and warm, sometimes quite sharp, sometimes disappear altogether. There's just nobody there. And you kind of put it all down. Mm. Certainly Ajahn Chah was like this, he'd just be nobody, just a kind of blank thing. And then the personality would come up, be very hugely, hugely, almost overpoweringly warm. You know, the drench, this feeling of being held into something so hugely warm that it was like somebody closer than your own parents, somebody right there. And of course it could go the other way if that was necessary. Mm. 
you know, very strong. Because he wasn't bothered about whether people liked him or not. <laughs> As a person. But then always operating, or, I mean, how do I know, but certainly from what I could see, operating from really tuning into what was skillful in the present moment without a whole range of thought up strategies operating through vidya, through being in touch rather than from having a set of ideas so you know when you meet someone like that then you begin to sense this is humanly possible but it's certainly got a personality that can come up certainly can feels things senses things enjoys things some things he seemed to really enjoy, has all that, able to bear with things, uh, and so on, and also able to just let that dissolve. So we're not, and we're not kind of destroying anything, but just holding it from a deeper place of understanding than selfhood. Then this is me. So this is the. Insight develops in this way as we calm and steady the mind. And our practice really begins right at day one with checking morality, their impulses, are they skillful or not skillful? Checking how we are with others. Am I being dismissive or domineering, uncooperative, insensitive? How is that? We develop the sealer. You know, kind of not just following my own immediate reactions to other people, but is this cooperative, skillful, you know, what we've agreed upon? Just contemplate that. that. That's still going, you know. It's still like, this is the practice. This is what we're doing. These are the forms. Let's try and rise up to these routines and systems and protocols. It's not, you know, so you keep coming back to that one as the personality shifts and goes through its stuff and the selfhood comes up. Mm-hmm. So keeping that, that sealer sense, that tuning in to convention and custom without getting stuck in it. Mm-hmm. We let going a little bit, let go a little bit. The moods and feelings we have, the highs, the wonderful day, the terrible day too, you know, and you know, for day one, it so so hit the wall so profoundly, didn't even realise there was a wall to hit. <laughs> Just this squelch, and you know, next day, sort of hauling yourself off the ground, and gee, what was that? And starting to reorient, and then the, coming through that day four, day five, thinking, oh, this is very nice, and then thinking, oh goodness, back to work on Monday, Ooh, tremble, tremble. <laughs> End of happy states, end of peace. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's that? You know, here we are, here we are. Come out of there, here we are. <laughs> you know, where are you going to find a refuge? Is the here going to be physically located in this place? That's going to be sorrowful, isn't it? <laughs> is the here going to be just this? Or is your here going to be something you can take with you? And don't get stuck in the mood shifts and the changes and whether it's calm or whether it's not calm try to use this time to really you know stop feeding on it appreciate it 
be with it, but don't feed on it. You know, and it's hold it with dispassion. You know, this is so. The short term is to is to get it, but then you get it, you can lose it. The long term is get with it. Then you won't <laughs> the getting with it. You won't lose. That's that's the that's the <laughs> that's the process, isn't it? Because then you can get with whatever. And that's the thing you want to cultivate. This is banya. Samadhi is going to come and go. Banya, you can you can continue to develop it. And this time we just really make an opportunity to to develop that banya, that with insight, wisdom. Let things, some of these imperatives and anxieties, touch them, sense them. What are they trying to do for you? They can't do it. They can't make you safe and finished and completed. Get over it, you know, and realize with dispassion, increasing dispassion, you don't need to be that. You don't need to be finished, completed, sorted. You know, you've got something else. There's something else there for you. Openness and how you manage that here, how you manage that, how you keep coming into that, honouring it, valuing it, really discerning it through these opening textures of the mind. It's not just the concept, there's the, it's that which can know all these, that which can sense all these textures and moods and energies. It doesn't go anywhere. So this is uh, the, the encouragement for the co- deepening cultivation of insight. And uh, please make use of what was helpful in, in that for today. So it's, uh, it's let some of that settle. Is anything that's helpful to remember bear in mind uh, and then chance to cultivate continue cultivating through walking and sitting and some of some of us have interviews so not, we got hour and a half so hour and a half divided by two <laughs> thank you <laughs> ring the bell. Thank you very much. <laughs>